March 30th. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Buck Runyon. And tonight we present a discussion on my new updated and expanded The Book of Solomon's Magic, second edition. It just released and now available from pokerunion.com. This is the Ceremonial Magic Classic, which has been a bestseller since its original publication in 1996. The book has finally been brought up to date with new equipment designs, more training methods, more research on spirits, angels, Kabbalah, and yoga, and we will be joined by very honored Prater Solomon and Sithmeth, Mike and Max, who contributed research on the Goetic spirits. Now, this is a big 450-page hardcover gold stamp volume, professed profusely illustrated with 24 color plates of temple equipment and spirit portraits. We have actual operational log entries and accounts of actual exorcisms. This is the one ceremonial magic book you really have to have in your library or in your temple. Available only from pokerunion.com, $69 in the United States postpaid, and signed by the author. And we have only 50 of them left in stock, so order today. And uh, uh, Mike and Max, are you both on board? I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Well, I'm having good. I'm having some uh, some technical problems. Uh, uh, so so speak up speak up loudly because I'm having trouble hearing you. And uh, anyway, uh, what I want to do to start with is you know is get into the book and read the disclaimer and and uh, and the introduction and then I'm going to have you guys read the uh, read the parts that you have contributed. So. Um, Bear with me here. We did a special disclaimer because there has been a lot of derogatory comments about uh, Canaanite mythology and about about Baal and trying to equate all this with Satanism, and uh, and so we wanted to we wanted to put a disclaimer in the book in the beginning of the book. And what I did was I took the disclaimer from the video and. I'm sure most everybody, most of our listeners know that that uh, the release of the original Book of Solomon's Magic back in 1996 was preceded by the release of our video, The Magic of Solomon. And actually, that video is available available in five or six different places on the internet. And uh, and so, frankly, uh, um, you know, you can. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, for heaven's sake, uh, look up the Magic of Solomon on YouTube and and uh, and and see it. But this was the, this was the disclaimer at the beginning of the Magic of Solomon. The magical rituals demonstrated in this video are performed by practicing magicians, not professional actors. These rites were recorded inside an actual magical temple and not on a Hollywood soundstage. The techniques shown here are authentic and very effective. Viewers are warned against casual experimentation with these methods. Mind-altering substances should never be used in connection with this practice. Only mature persons in good mental and physical health should undertake these activities. This system should be approached with the same respect 
one would accord to a full contact martial art. This documentary is offered to the public as an educational introduction to an ancient Western tradition of psycho-spiritual development that has been misunderstood and maligned. Practitioners of Solomon's magic are not Satanists who make pacts with the devil, spiritual explorers in the deep caverns of the mind, carrying with them the lamp of wisdom and armed with the power of God. Now, that was our disclaimer in the video. And so we've added that, added to that here in the book. In recent years, there has emerged a spiritual propaganda campaign led by fundamental religious zealots who ignore history, archaeology, and modern biblical scholarship in an, in an attempt to justify and reinforce the ancient demonization of the Canaanite gods, the Baals, equating them with Satan and making them preside over child sacrifice. We, we say them because Baal, B-A-A-L, is, is a word meaning Lord. And every tribe or village had one or more Baals. Now, some of them, like Baal Peor, were evil, but most were good, like Val Malkart, the Baal of Tyre, the Phoenician Hercules, who was a prototype of Jesus, and the consort of the goddess Astarte. The phrase Baal Shem Tov means the Lord of the Holy Name in Hebrew and is an honored title for a rabbi who is a master of the Kabbalah. Baal Melkart's temple was the model for the Temple of Solomon. And the Bible tells us that Solomon also built a temple to the goddess Astarte. But later, the rabbis of the second temple continued to venerate Solomon while consigning Baal and Astarte to the netherworld of the demons, Baal and Ashtoreth. Repairing this ancient sacrilege is part of the purpose of this book. And linking the ancient Canaanite Elohim with the holy angels fulfills the spiritual healing promise of ceremonial magic. Now, that's our disclaimer in the beginning. So let's, let me read the, my author's introduction to the hardcover edition. All right, this is the author's preface to this present second edition. This hardcover version of our modern ceremonial magic classic has been a long time coming. After 25 years in the soft cover, we are finally issuing a hardbound library edition. Many of our readers will recall the 1996 advent of our book following the re re release of our video documentary, The Magic of Solomon. In most respects, this second edition remains true to the original. Among the editions, such as my 1977 Magic and Hypnosis article, I have incorporated into the text the various addendums that we have added to the reprints of the book over the years. Now, if you are a newcomer to this book, and especially if you are predisposed to be critical of its theory and method, I recommend that you read Magic and Hypnosis before you deal with the main text. I have also added illustrations of tools, the zero light, temple furniture, the double slat altar, and updated the magical alphabet and added the hermetic yoga ritual. Over the years, we have collected numerous 
references confirming our theories and techniques. For the most of these, I have used chapter endnotes. I have expanded the bibliography to include uh, works and authors cited in additional material. In the original softcover version of the Book of Solomon's Magic, I edited the conjurations of the Goetia, Sloan Manuscript 2731, leaving out those which intimidated the spirits with the curse of chains, etc., because our patron deities were Baal and Astarte, Baal and Asteroid. We felt such coercion was inappropriate. We even created an apology for the stern commands in the first conjuration. However, many Goetic spirits are not as friendly or as venerable as Baal and Astarte, and we do list them all. So since 1996, I have had to perform two exorcisms, one of which I will recount in this second edition. This has prompted me to reinstate the stronger conjurations so that we now have a more complete Galatia. We have also added operational log accounts and receiver sketches of several of the Galatic spirits. And that's in the department by uh, Mike and uh, and, and yeah, we'll read your preface to the blog entries. Uh, okay. We have revised the classical elemental prayers and included them with the archangelic invocations where they belong. We have also added a direct facsimile of the first Goetic conjuration from the original manuscript. Now, this document proves that Elizabethan magicians were aware that Jehovah was not the Most High God. We are publishing a detailed reproduction of Peter Smart's magic mirror on a stand, proving that it was exactly that. We are showing a restored version of the seldom-seen Ostia Medallion from the second century, showing Hecate and King Solomon connecting Solomonic ceremonial magic and witchcraft. And finally, we show a very rare photo of Edward Kelly's black obsidian scrying mirror in the British Museum. And it's the same shape as the one that Peter's, I mean, Peter Smart's drawing. All considered, we think it's fair to say that the Book of Solomon's Magic is finally in its complete and perfected form. And we hope all sincere students of the art magical will make good use of it. And it's signed... Uh, very honored, Frater Fabiano R.C. Rivendell Armage and Temple, Silverado, California, 2023. Now, Max? I'm here. Can you, you hear me? Uh, yeah, right. I can hear you just barely. Would you read your editorial pre preface that you have there on page XIV? <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. They were the black forbidden things which most sane people have never even heard of but I've heard of only in furtive, timorous whispers, the banned and dreaded repositories of equivocal secrets and immemorial formulae, which have trickled down the stream of time from the days of man's youth and the dim, fabulous days before man was, the haunter of the dark. Occultists are a mad bunch. We are, by nature, eccentric, eclectic, recalcitrant, and staunchly individualistic. Yet, to a man or woman, 
united in the love of our books. If the above quote from H.P. Lovecraft leaves you with a longing to possess those black forbidden things and to hubristically plumb the depths of their eldritch knowledge, you may well be one of us, for we are irrevocably and ferociously passionate bibliophiles. The more baroque and ornate, the better. After all, in an age of information, to possess the text is one thing, but to hold that text to breathe in its pages, to feel like you're holding not just a manuscript, but a work of art. That is another thing entirely. I dearly hope you'll agree that the book you now hold, or will hold, is such a work of art. The second edition of the Book of Solomon's Magic has been many years in the making, acquiring considerable volume, now swelling to over 450 pages from a mere 250. A mere 250. <laughs> the original book was a foundational work in my occult education, and it has been an indescribable honor to be part of its rebirth. I have taken incredible pleasure in reformatting, decorating, and filling the pages of this second edition, not only with the delightfully antique font of the French artist Charles Lacour, but with noticeably more original art from the author my dear friend and mentor, Carol Poke Runyon. Almost all the artwork in this book is his own, some of it older than I am, and all of it wonderfully unique to his arcane style. My work on this publication has been predominantly cosmetic, as per my duty as a typesetter, but there are several contributions, the purpose and rationale of which could bear elucidation. First, throughout this book, I have placed great focus on what could be creatively dubbed grimoire ergonomics. Put simply, where a ritual or spirit's profile spills over onto a second page, that page will be facing the first, so that they may be viewed simultaneously as a combined whole. The purpose of this particular arrangement is to minimize page turning in the middle of a ritual, greater enabling this book to be utilized in a temple setting without disturbing the flow of the ceremony. Where the ritual or profile spills over onto third or more pages, I've simply tried to keep the above ergonomics in mind and endeavored to minimize overall page flipping. In short, this is a working magician's grimoire. Second, on those pages where a ritual text is fully detailed, a little winged sun disk symbol drawn by Poke just below the title. The purpose of this, beyond mere decoration, is to make it easier to discern the ritual itself from any preceding or proceeding text. This is intended to make it faster to recognize and flip to when needed. Third, I have painstakingly cleaned up and clarified the goetic sigils from the original Sloan manuscript, Sloan 2731. In addition to this, I've also edited and provided a complete appendix of all 72 Goetic Spirit Sigils and their matching Shemhem Paresh Angels in the final appendix. Feel free to scan these specific pages and print out some double-sided sigils for your own vessel of brass. Fourth, remember that being, sorry, rather than being in a separate chapter, the Shemhem Paresh Angels have been folded into the Goetia profile. This re-emphasizes their importance in moderating and controlling their arguably more volatile goetic companions within our system. 
I have also provided an English translation of the Latin angelic invocations for the sake of clarity and the satisfaction of your insatiable curiosity. Fifth, I have translated two versions of the Mirror of Floron from the original Latin of the Munich Manual of Demonic Magic and synthesized them into a single ritual in Appendix 9. This has been done specifically to demonstrate a documented example of the traditional use of a magician's own reflection and reflected image in conjuring a spirit to visible appearance. In addition to this, very honored Frater Solomon, Mike here, has translated a version of the French grimoire, the Livre des Esprits, for the reader to compare to the Goetia. And lastly, as an immense labor of love, a great deal of work and research has gone into discovering and detailing the etymology and possible origin of every single Goetia spirit. These notes appear at the bottom of each profile, including the four quarter kings with their sigils in chapter 12. The names, powers, and physical description of each spirit were scrutinized and scoured for clues with an exhaustive cultural, religious, historical, and linguistic cross-comparative analysis. Such has been a joint effort. Oh, yes. And considerable credit goes to the invaluable assistance and incredible knowledge of our very honored Frater Solomon, Mike Johnson. Together, he and I have been able to greatly expand the number of spirits who we believe can be convincingly considered former gods. Detailed etymological excavations of the Goetia spirits are scant at best. And I would like to recognize and thank two authors, Leo Holmes in his book, The Lamolgata, and David Crowhurst for his impressive contributions in his work, Stellas Daemonum. The insights in these books are referenced several times in our notes. And while the purpose of both these works could best be described, perhaps, as forensic goetic astrology, we feel we have gone further in our specific efforts of identifying and redeifying many of these once great gods of antiquity, principally from Canaanite, Greek, Egyptian, and mystery traditions with a spattering of fairies and forest spirits. It should be kept in mind, however, that due to the depredations of time and the flames of religious censorship and persecution, any attempt at uncovering the true origins of these spirits, no matter how compelling, is inevitably an act of speculation. However, one of the keenest benefits of living in an age of information is being able to more effectively scour the minds and libraries of the world and glean from them the necessary hints which may have eluded a more traditional approach. It may well be that such a cross-cultural study, scholarly or otherwise, was a near impossibility in previous ages due to the natural limitations of more conventional research. And were it not for the advent of the Internet, the obliviation of these ancient gods may well have been complete. Having undertaken this research, a salient and singular perspective becomes unavoidably apparent. Namely, that the secret of Solomon's vessel of brass is not that it contained demons. Rather, it was filled with forgotten gods. Those ancient, primal, and prehistoric tribal gods cast down and defaced by the ascendant power of political zealotry. Solomon, 
if he indeed lived a mortal life, was certainly no worshipper of Yahweh alone. The Deuteronomistic reforms which were introduced and brutally enforced throughout ancient Israel, dictating and forging a monotheistic rubric, took place well after his kingship and the Israelite returned from exile in Babylon. Solomon's temple was no monument of monotheism. Rather, it was likely filled with hundreds of shrines to all the gods of a wide and diverse region, uniting them under the auspice of his kingship and perhaps attempting to weave a unifying narrative for his kingdom. When the Levites and Deuteronomists rose to power, they cast down all those other gods, even the most beautiful and benign, murdering their worshippers and recasting them as devils, obscure and forgotten. This process was replicated by the early Roman church, and in the name of, ostensibly, the same god, hundreds of pagan deities were once again transformed or reimagined into foul and fiery demons by political zealots. The secret of Solomon's temple is not, as some legends depict, that it was made by demons, but that it was made up of them, made up and comprised of those forgotten gods, now relegated to obscurity amongst the moldering pages of a sorcerer's grimoire, our necronomicons, our books of dead names, the cemeteries of forgotten gods. Solomon's temple was the vessel of brass. Thank you very much, Brother Sithmath. That that was a beautiful a beautiful introduction to what we have uh, what we have put together. And of course, you and Mike were uh, you did terrific work on that. I'm looking here at the next page with the Ostia Medallion. Now, this is very seldom seen, but the Ostia Medallion, a bronze second century common era. Contemporary with the Testament of Solomon, that, that's one of the early grimoires, shows the triple goddess form of Hecate on the face and King Solomon stirring a cauldron on the reverse. Hecate is listed as the demon Anpegios in the Testament of Solomon. Now, this artifact confirms the Greek connection in Solomonic magic and its connection to witchcraft. And we should remember founders of modern witchcraft, Gerald Gardner and Alex Sanders, were both Solomonic ceremonial magicians. Now, now next to that is the table of contents. And this table of contents is, is annotated. And by the way, we on, on pokerunion.com, we have that table of contents uh, under the book, you can you can go through the whole table of contents uh, before you purchase the book, and you can read all these these uh, these chapter headings, and you you'll be amazed at at the extent of uh, of this table of contents. It's really wonderful. You can get you get an idea of the whole scope of this book. Now, what we have in in uh, that, that Mike Mike Johnson, uh, Frederick Solomon, is uh, yep. is particularly concerned with is uh, the log entries in the back. This is a very practical temple book. It's a library book, and it's also a temple book. And you might want to get two copies. Put one in your library and have one down in your temple. In the back of the book, we have an appendix where we have, we have reproductions of our log entries where we have 
actually uh, loved our operations, our goetic operations, and many of these, in fact, most of them involve involve Fred or Solomon either as operator or as receiver. And in some cases, many cases, I was the receiver and he was the operator, and in most cases, I was the operator and he was the receiver. And you'll find his sketches. I've got to admit, uh, Mike is, is just as facile an artist as I am, and, and his, his sketches and spirits are really fascinating. And I've got a couple of early portraits of uh, spirits, uh, one of a Starte, one of a Baal, and one of a, and one of a Sago, all color portraits here in the book. And, of course, we have all these paintings of photographs of temple equipment, color photographs. We have 24, 24 color plates in this book. I don't mean to make it sound like a coffee table book. Actually, it looks more like the magic books that, that old old DeLorence used to produce way back in the 1940s and 50s. Those, if you've ever seen one with the gold snap and the pebble grain, we wanted it to look, well, we really wanted it to look like the old book of ceremonial magic. And so it's, you know, it's pebble grain uh, with, with a gold snap logo on the front and, and uh, design and everything. Now, in the back, we have the appendices, and as I say, I have my magic and hypnosis article. And that, by the way, is one of the things that started off the whole, the whole magical revival was the magic and hypnosis article. And then and, and we got the mirror of Floron and, and a couple of, uh, of other grimoires. Uh, Mike, you want to get back, back here? Well, let's get back here uh, to the, where, the, where you start this on the page. Log entries, appendix. Did you want me to read my reflections on Goetia? Yeah, yeah, that's what I want you to do is read your reflections, the one that precedes oh, oh, okay. the, the log entries. Okay. Goetia is something which stirs the emotions in all sorts of directions. I have gained a lot by exploring these neglected arenas of the mind. Uh, can these spirits help me? Uh, how can I navigate Goetia safely? These were questions I asked myself. Nearly 30 years ago, I met Poke Runyon. I, I was convinced his goetic spirits would cure me of my lack of finding dating partners. I, I was painfully shy and desperate for a remedy. Luckily, I was uh, in the hands of a well-centered mentor who understood the psychological aptitude for navigating such a challenging procedure. I began, like many, with the gentle spirit Visago. I then went on to work with spirits who could help me more easily communicate with women, such as Zapar, Dantalian, and others. Zapar was able to bring one fun dating partner in my life, but it was Dantalian who really helped me understand how to communicate not just with women, but people in general. He or she helped me see myself through other people's perspectives. I really began to emphasize with others and understand where they were coming from. I thoroughly enjoyed receiving the Visago Millennium Prophecy. Visago was always a pleasant spirit to receive. He, he'd come gently and reassuringly, bolstered by a sense of calm. Perhaps more amazing than receiving the prophecy was seeing it fulfilled. Uh, the most powerful operation I ever experienced was with Ga'ap. Uh, for years, I, I wondered if there was life after death. I felt the best proof of this would be astral projection, but no matter how hard I tried, or how many books I read and, and experimented with, I just couldn't get out. I, I was stuck uh, envying the accomplishment of, of others. Um, after about a week of uh, a goth operation, my dream finally came true. I felt like my spirit was stuck to my body like tar. Uh, then I felt goth 
unhinged my soul from my body like Velcro being torn apart. I, I was free and, and floating above my body as I constantly dreamt for. He, he glided me through my wood door and I could feel the wood grains. I then uh, peacefully floated about my hallway and in time was able to float above my house and bask in the stars of the brilliant night sky. Though my experiences with Goetia have been overwhelmingly positive, my insomnia did become an issue. My insomnia eventually turned into sleep apnea due to worsening asthma onset by bad work conditions. Sleep apnea is a common experience where the lungs stop working in the process of going to sleep. Your, your very bed is likely where it will take place since that's where you last remembered being. Whatever is bouncing around in the dream bucket is immediately pulled out. Suffering from paralyzation while going to sleep, I blamed one of the goetic spirits. The problem went away in days and all with a simple prayer. With a positive dream of my room being blasted with intense healing white light, it was as though Raphael himself came to cure me of my sleep apnea. Yet the handful of nights, I was really trying to wrap my head around what was going on. Uh, do you sleep on a spring mattress? Uh, is it 10 years old like mine was? This could be just enough for your lungs to fold in a bit too much and create sleep apnea. Stresses of life can cause this as well and will certainly compound the issue. We've all had to catch our breath. But when you have to do this while going to sleep, it may cause some unpleasantries. The most important lesson my mentor taught me was that these spirits are expressions of one's own mind. That is, if you have the wrong perception of these spirits, you won't bring them in at full capacity. If you rather treat them as the olden gods who are diamonds in the rough, you can dust away centuries of superstition and have benign engagements with enlightening entities. Respect them, and they will respect you. I have continued to work with these uh, marvelous spirits, these spirits with marvelous results. These spirits haven't just affected my external life positively, but more importantly, my internal life, my attitude. After receiving bow, my self-confidence and ability to be uh, assertive increased. With the start day, my ability to be loving and connect with others improved. Not only could I connect well with people I knew, but I connect well with new people I met. And of course, I've continued my journey with the kindly Visago, who still has a clear penchant for seeing the future, and I look forward to our future together when I welcome you to join in as well. Uh, thank you. And uh, I wanted to, to mention that, that, that your astral projection experience is very similar to my first astral projection experience. And uh, I can remember wondering while, while I was while I was by a window I was wondering whether I was I was in the astral or whether I was actually going uh, actually walking in my house and I put my hand through the through the glass and I could feel the glass going around my my flesh the flesh of my hand I could actually feel that and and that proved to me that I was that I was on the astral and then I you know, once I knew who I was, I flew up above the house, just, and very much like like you were talking, that is one of the first ways ways to do astral projection. And by the way, we have um, we have these log entries, which I think that the readers are going to find fascinating. Let me say a few things before we uh, we sign off here. Let me say a few things about about the book uh, generally. This is a book that we have. This is a labor of love. This is something uh, that we have really put our heart and soul into, and 
marketing wise we're going to have it on on my personal on my personal website that's pokerunion.com that's where it's going to be available uh, until and we collect some very good professional reviews and then when we have the professional reviews uh, we will probably make it available on Amazon but right now you you all you're going to find on Amazon is the first it's the first edition, and that's that. That's the old paperback. If you want to get our second edition, you're going to have to uh, come to pokerunion.com. And while you're there, we have all the other uh, OTA books. People are already buying the, the Solomon's Magic and copies of the Seventh Ray. And so, uh, let me ask you, Max, have you got anything you'd like to add? I think we've covered just about everything, other than giving a sampling of some of the uh, the notes that Mike and I uh, put together. Uh, but we can save that for another occasion or another format. But um, um, I think we've covered, in general, the book very, very well. I mean, it was it it, it came together in, in a very evolu- in like an evolutionary kind of way. Um, it, it evolved in bits and pieces and. Small evolutions, like the notes that Mike and I worked on extensively, it, that, that, that project came out of left field. It initially started kind of as a mere question about whether there was potentially more information and evolved into an, in a thesis magnitude project that we both worked on with extreme excitement. It was, it was really exciting to work on it. Uh, Mike, you called it astral archaeology, and that was such yeah. a great term for it. It was a, an absolute pleasure. Every single one of these spirits is very badly, I suppose, a rabbit hole. Like, every single one of them has an incredible uh, associative history behind them, and, and I, 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 if, you, if you want to know where these spirits came from, if you want to explore, um, if you were ever curious about, you know, they're not just a name and a small description. They are personas through time, just hidden and, 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 and demonized. But many of them, in fact, a vast, vast proportion of them, um, I initially started working etymologically with Mike, when you came into the project and really you injected it with octane, you were able to help connect so many of them to these ancient gods. It was absolutely incredible. Thank you, very honored Frater's Sith Meth and Solomon, Mike and Max. Thanks so much for your participation. And before we close, I want to make sure that you associate members out there that we are talking to. Before you order the new Solomon's Magic book from pokerunion.com, please email us and let us know you're going to order it, and we will make sure that you get your discount, your membership discount refund with your order. So everybody, we'll be back next week with another look into the Hermetic Mysteries, and until then, good magic. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.